Amen. Well, we're starting in a series called Expect, and I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's Word. This is going to be our theme verse, and I want us to read it together out loud. Let me hear you, everyone, loudly. Those of you joining us online as well. Here we go. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, and though, I'm sorry, let's start right there, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. What this tells us is that one day, if we're a believer in Christ, there's an inheritance that we're going to receive in heaven. We're going to be saved. We're going to spend eternity with God. And he says that we need to live with expectation, live a life that expects. I want to tell you that you and I are called to be people of expectation. The word expectation there in the Greek is a word that talks about hope. It talks about being confident. And you know, the Bible says without faith, without hope, without that expectancy and trust in God, it says it's impossible to please God because you must believe that he is, that he exists, and he rewards those who seek after him. And so today, God is looking for people. Did you know that everyone here, if you love Jesus, if you serve Jesus, have been given a measure of faith? And God wants to awaken that faith. The word expect can mean two things. It can mean a confident hope, but it also can mean to anticipate. And I believe God is stirring up within us this desire to be expectant, full of faith, waiting for the goodness and the grace that God wants to bring the promises that he has for us, not just in heaven one day, but in the world that we live in. So I want you to close your eyes and we're gonna pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you've called us to a life of faith, a life of expectancy. I pray, speak through this series to every heart. Awaken our faith, awaken our hope to expect that we're going to see, as the scripture says, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. amen. You may be seated today. What I want to do now over the next three weeks is I want to take a passage of scripture in the book of Genesis. If you have a Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 22. If you're getting it on your phone, if you're using um, an actual Bible in your hand, why don't you go to Genesis 22? And I'm going to tell a story that comes out of scripture, and we're going to use this story to kind of pull some truths to help us understand what faith or expectancy is all about. Now, I'll start by saying this. In this story, it's one that people have a hard time with, because this is the story where God tells Abraham, I want you to take your son onto the top of the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, I got to tell you, when we hear a story like that, a lot of things come to mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is what was going through Abraham's head as he was on his way to Mount Moriah. Secondly, the thing that comes to mind is could I even do that if God spoke to me? Now, there's a lot of theological stuff there to try to understand what is the reason and why would God do this and all of that stuff. And there might be even people here today that struggle with this passage, but I want to tell you something. If you have ever struggled with this passage, here's what I'm going to ask you to do the next three weeks. Put it aside, and you can ask Jesus when you get to heaven. You can ask him why, what was the purpose, but what we're going to do is instead of trying to figure out that, that all out, we're going to just look at the scripture knowing that it's God's word, and we're going to pull truth from that passage 
to help us understand faith. Why? Because Abraham is called the father of the faith. And so we're going to learn from this story, and you and I are going to understand what it means. In fact, this passage, Abraham was a man of faith. He knew that God would provide. In fact, we discover for the first time that God is provider, Jehovah Jireh. It means the God who provides. We wouldn't know Jehovah as the provider without this story. It's where his name is introduced as the provider. There's a lot of truth there to help us understand. God never intended for his son to die. God intended to provide the sacrifice. What I want to do now is I want to start at the beginning of the story and pull out some things that may have, maybe you hadn't thought about when it comes to living a life of expectancy. So I believe God's going to do something great. How many expect God's going to do something great? How many want to be a person of faith? Come on, wave at me. So if you're taking notes, now let me say, when we talk about faith, sometimes we don't really understand what faith is. Because for some people, faith is this mystic, super self-confidence that's inside of you that makes things happen. We see it in the world. American Idol, when it was on, people would say, how did, how did you get to this point in the top 10? Well, I had faith. Faith is not some superpower inside of you that makes things happen. Faith has to do with where you put your trust. Do you put your trust in yourself? Do you put your trust in the Lord? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to learn some attributes, some characteristics of a life of faith. So if you're taking notes, I want to write this, this point down. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is simply this. We're learning how to expect, right? Number one, expect there will be some tests. When it comes to life, you're going to go through some things. You're going to face some tests in life. And if you're going to be a person of faith... Listen, faith doesn't deny reality. I've met people who were sick with cancer, and you, you talk to them, and they're trying to be a person of faith, right? And you'll say, hey, how are you? I'm great. How's the cancer? I don't have cancer. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Well, that's great, but the reality is until you get proof from the doctor that the cancer's not there, you got cancer. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? So faith doesn't deny the reality of the situation. Faith believes in God in the midst of the reality of the situation. And so in life, if we're going to be people of faith, it doesn't mean that we're never going to have a problem, that everything's going to go good. We need to, as faith people, as expecting people, expect there will be some tests. You understand? Say amen. So let's go to the beginning of the story and let's learn. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says this, sometime later, God what? God tested Abraham's what? Faith. God brought the test. Expect there will be tests. Then he goes on to say, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Then God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the, one of the mountains, which I will show you. And we know that he goes to the mountain. He takes his son up to the top of the mountain. He literally puts him on top of the altar, raises the knife, and at the last minute, God provides a sacrifice. And so we're going to learn all of that later on. But what we discover here at the beginning is simply this, and that is that sometimes God will test our faith. But what happens is, is when a test comes along, if we're not careful, we won't do what Abraham did. We'll do what our human nature is, which is, I don't want to take this test. I hate tests. Come on, how many when you're in second grade or fourth grade or sixth grade and you showed up and it was test day, you're like, why do I have to take this stupid test? Come on, how many have ever thought that? All of you super spiritual and smart people that didn't raise your hand, we'll talk after. You can teach me some things. 
Come on, we all say those things. But what I love is that Abraham didn't say, why do I have to take the test? Abraham just said, okay, I'll take the test. But when we're little, we say things like, well, I shouldn't have to take this test. I mean, how is this really going to help me? Why do I need to know what a quotient is? What is that going to do for me later on in life? Why do I need to know how to spell that name or how to spell that word? I mean, really, I'm never going to use that word the rest of my life. Why do I have to take this stupid test? Come on, some of you sense some bitterness deep down. Why do I have to know what's inside a cell? Why do I have to name all of the attributes of a cell of a plant? I'm not going to be a biologist. Why do I have to take this stupid test? Nobody wants to take the test. What's interesting, the Bible says that Abraham was tested by God. The word test there is a Hebrew word, and here's what it means. It means to put to test, to determine the nature of something. Its weaknesses, its faults, its imperfections, or its qualities. As you begin to think about it, God, why is it that we should expect a test? Why is it that we're going to go through tests? And here's why. It makes sense this way. Products are tested before they're put on a shelf. Let me say it this way. Nobody wants a product that hasn't been tested. You won't go to a car dealership to buy a car if you don't know that they've tested to make sure that the brakes work. You won't buy a product, a car, if you haven't made sure that you know they've tested that the safety system works so if you get in an accident, the bags will pop out and protect you. You won't buy a product, you won't have confidence in a product if it hasn't gone through a test. In fact, let me go on to say, you wouldn't want an engineer to design your home if you didn't know that that engineer had passed his tests. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to take the test. But God says we need to go through the test. In fact, in Genesis, he actually defines what the test is. He says, I'm going to test your faith. And then he says, here's the test. You're going to take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. I think the first test that, that Abraham had to go through was what we'd call the father test. This was a father test. And I began to think about it. God, why was it when you decided to test his faith that you chose for him to go through the father test? And as I begin to think about this idea that a product has to be tested, I begin to think about the fact that God brought him through the father test. And here's why. Because God knew that one day Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. But if you can't be the father of one boy, how are you going to be the father of a whole nation? The point is, we take a test so that we can graduate to the next level. And many of us, we want the next level, but we don't want to take the test. And part of faith is understanding that the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, if you're faithful with little, God will make you Lord over more. Your next level is on the other side of your test. So if you want to be a person of faith, a person of expectation, understand something. God will take you through some tests. And because here's the point, God doesn't test you. Let's bring up this quote, guys. God doesn't test you to torture you. God is testing you to teach you how to get to the next level. So rather than complaining about the test, 
rather than saying, why do I have to take the test? Faith says, I believe in the test. God's not torturing me. He's teaching me so that I'm ready for the next level. Because if I'm going to be a father of many, i got to be a father of one. Come on, anybody with me? Say amen. Because let me show you what happens in this story with Abraham. You can't just be the father of one if you're going to be the father of a whole nation. So what happens? He passes the test. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, because you passed the test with the one, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The other side of your test is the next level of God's promise in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. I was thinking about <clears throat> this idea and it had a family come by the church or by the house the other day. <coughs> we had some friends that we were given some things to, um, some furniture and other things. And so their, their friends came with them because they had a truck. Let me just give you some advice. Never buy a truck. <laughs> just throwing that out there for all of you who have trucks, you'd say amen, right Camden? Because you're everybody's first call. Come on, let me know what I'm talking about. So they show up with the truck, and when they get there, <clears throat> we start talking, and they say, Pastor, did you hear what happened? And I'm like, no, what happened? They said, you know, you know that since we started coming to church at Higher Vision for the last several years that we've gone through a really rough time. You know that we've been homeless. We've slept in our car for a while. We were, you know, at a, a, stayed at a hotel. We've stayed at people's homes, and we've gone through a tough time. My husband had lost, lost his job. You guys have prayed for us and even helped us at times. They, you, you know that we've gone through a hard time, right? And I'm like, I'm like yeah. And they go, but you know what? Did you, you, you know what happened? They said the whole time we were going through this trial and this test, we grabbed a hold of that truth that you preached about tithing. And they said the whole time when we were sleeping in our car, when we were staying in a hotel, when we were living with people, when we got paid or we made money, guess what we did? We gave to the Lord first. We were faithful to honor the Lord even when we didn't have anything. And you're not going to believe this, Pastor Jared, but this week we just closed escrow on our own home. They said, you don't understand because my credit is shot. My husband's credit is shot. We didn't have a down payment. We didn't have money to give a realtor. But somehow, God, because we were faithful with the little that we have, the Bible says if you're faithful with the little, he'll make you lower over more. Because we were faithful to take the test. God, you've taken us to the next level, and now we have our own home. Somebody rejoice and say amen. Because your next level is on the other side of your test. Expect there will be tests. And I just want to make one observation, and that's this. Some trials that we have in life are not from God. They're from our stupidity. Come on, deep, heavy. So sometimes we have a test, and it's a test of our own making. But I'm going to tell you that, well, God, he's so amazing because with God, he can take your test and turn it into a triumph. Because all things can work together for good who, to them who love the Lord. Amen? So expect, if you're going to be a person of faith, people of faith expect there will be some trials. Let's write this down. Point number two, expect silence during the test. Expect silence during the test. Come on, you all know. 
the teacher doesn't talk in the middle of the test. The teacher doesn't answer questions in the middle of the test. Because if the teacher answers the question in the test, it's not a real test. It's a practice test. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Let's go on in the story and look at what we discover. It says, God speaks to him and says, go now, I'm going to tell you what the test is. Sacrifice him on a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you, period. Verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Here's what's interesting. For many of us, if we were in the story, it would read like this. Go sacrifice your son on the mountain that I show you, comma, and then James said, or Jared said, or Robbie said, okay, God, so you got to explain this to me. What exactly is going on? How, How am I supposed to do this? What mountain exactly is it going to be? Do you really mean that I'm going to actually sacrifice my son? How could you actually do this? You know, if you could just explain a lot of stuff to me. You know what? I tell you what, before we take this test, I need you in this testing right now to tell me all the whys and the hows and exactly what you're up to. If you could tell me exactly how it's going to play out, how long am I going to be in this test? Exactly what's going to happen to my son in the test, period. Then maybe I'll get up, saddle my donkey, grab the servants, and take my son with me. See, unfortunately for a lot of us, we've fallen into this concept that, well, if you tell me everything I need to know, then I'll trust you. Because for Abraham, there was the father test, because for him to father a nation, he had to father one. But then this was what I would call the this, this is the, tri- the, the, the trust test. This is the test that says, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to make you explain everything. I'm gonna, I know you seem like you're a little silent right now. I know you seem like you're a little quiet right now. And you know what's interesting about the test? Not only does the teacher not talk in the test, the student doesn't talk in the test either. But too many times, we're full of words, and we're full of questions, and we're saying, God, well, if you'll prove to me, if you'll show me, if you'll explain everything, if you'll lay out every single step, God, you've been kind of quiet, and so I'm not going to go any farther. I'm not going to do anything here. If you'll just tell me all the answers, then I'll trust you. But let me tell you what faith is. Faith does not demand an explanation. Faith rests in the promise. Faith doesn't demand an explanation. Faith rests in the promise. So Abraham says, listen, even though, God, I don't feel like it, even though I, I, I feel like I want to call in sick on this test today because I didn't prepare, I wasn't ready for this kind of thing. Even, God, this doesn't make any sense at all because, you know, you know, God, this is my only son. My other son, Ishmael's gone. I had to send him away, and he wasn't really my son, the son of Sarah. So this is my only son. And by the way, God, remember, I was 100 years old when you asked me and you, you did the miracle. Well, now he's 13, according to theologians, so I'm 113, so This was my last chance, God. There are no more kids after this. Are you sure? Could you just explain? Could you just tell me? We have to understand that God is silent during the test sometimes. Why was he able to pass the trust test? 
How are you and I able to pass the trust test? How are we to be people of expectation and faith in the midst of the test? Well, because Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. You don't see from my perspective because when you get a little higher, you see things that you can't see where you are. So if you'll learn to trust me that I know what I'm doing, because listen, God is the master builder. He's the master designer. He's the master chess player. He knows that you think that you're just walking up a mountain to your son's death, and every step you take closer to that, that sacrifice is one step closer to your dreams being destroyed, to your son being gone. But what you don't know is that God's the master designer and the planner, and every step you take closer to that sacrifice, to that altar, on the other side of the mountain, God's sending up a ram that's taken a step every time you do because God's ways are higher than our ways I'll never forget when God spoke to me and said Jared I want you to go to Valencia and plant a church I to be honest with you I was like God what are you talking about first of all it was like where is Valencia And I'm like, God, no, no, you don't understand. I, listen, we need to talk this out. If you'll explain, I'll be a little bit more comfortable to go take this test. I'll be a little bit more comfortable to plant in Valencia because, God, let's, let's have a little conversation. Let's negotiate. You see, right now I'm in Modesto, and right near Modesto is Stockton, and Stockton's only 20 minutes away, and if we plant this church, I can stay in the new house we just bought. And if we go to Stockton, there's about 500 people that'll probably go with us. That's a, God, that's a great way to start. We have 500 people before we even start. And God, here's the cool thing is my kids can stay in the pre, free private school that they're in. And God, you know, I can keep the TV ministry going and I can keep the school of worship going. That you, you told me to start it so I could keep it going. And I started going through all this. But you, wait a minute, I don't say go to Valencia. I mean, I don't know anyone in Valencia. There's no money to start the church in Valencia. In fact, in Valencia, you can't even put a church in a building that's retail or industrial. There's no churches or land or places to put a church. God, do you, do you know what you're doing? Can we have a conversation? Could you just explain? but you have to expect that there's silence during the test because God's ways are higher what I didn't know is that in a city where you can't get a church 20 years before there was a group of intercessors that had come from church on the way that were driving around this valley and the Holy Spirit led them to this corner when it was dirt and they stood on this corner and they began to seek and pray and talk to God and God began to speak to their hearts and they began to prophesy and declare that God was going to plant a church on this corner 20 years ago. What he didn't know is that God's ways are higher than my ways. What he didn't know is that as they began to prophesy, they began to say, this is called prophetically to be a gateway to this community and, and to the northern LA region. You know what this center is called? Gateway Promenade. Do you realize that tomorrow that we're going to close escrow and we're going to own this building right here. Higher Vision Church belongs to us, our church family. Why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. But too many times you and I never get to the next level of God's promise in our life. And here's why. Because we won't take the test unless he tells us everything we need to know. But faith, what did we learn? Faith doesn't demand an explanation. Faith rests in the promise. Come on, somebody say amen. So a heart of faith, you expect there will be some tests. 
You expect silence during the test. And number three, write this down. Expect it will take some time. Expect it will take some time. I want to show you this part of the story. Genesis chapter 22. God tells him, you're going to take a test. You're going to take your son. Go, and I will show you this mountain. And look what it says in verse 22. He takes off on the, what? The third day. Not on the first day. Not on the second day. On the third day of their journey. It took some time. Didn't happen right away. We're closing escrow 12 years after we moved here. It takes some time. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. You see, sometimes we have to go through the father test, the the test that if we're faithful with little, he'll make us Lord over more. And sometimes we have to go through the trust test. And sometimes we have to go, this is called the timed test. Because sometimes we have to understand that God's timing may be different than our timing. We know that to the Lord, a, a God, a day is worth a thousand years, and, and a thousand years is like a day. And so God's timing may be different than your timing or my timing. And so what happens is we go on our journey. And what's interesting is God sent him on the journey, not telling him which mountain was the mountain of the test. So imagine he's walking through Moriah. And he passes by this mountain on day one, and this mountain on day one, and passes by this mountain on day one. And then day two, he goes a little farther. And I just imagine every mountain he passes by where Abraham is saying, well, is this the mountain? Is, is this the mountain? Is this the mountain? And you know what makes me think? There's a lot of people who God's given you a promise. He's given you a dream. He's put something in your heart. And as you've gone through life, you keep stopping and going, well, is this the mountain where God's going to help me to launch this business? Is this the mountain where I'm going I'm to be able to, to, to build that relationship where we're going to restore things in this? Is this the mountain where I'm going to find that place where I serve? And we, we go from mountain to mountain. But what happens is, is Abraham, he doesn't stop on day one. And he doesn't stop on day two. He keeps going, and here's why. Because Abraham knew that you can't stop in the middle of the test. Because the test is a process. I think Abraham didn't stop in the middle of his test, and here's why. Because his dad had stopped in the middle of his test. If you read the story of Abraham, here's what we find. is that his dad, Terah, had been called out of Ur of the Chaldees. And what happened was... As he left and was going to where God wanted him to be, he got distracted at a mountain, a place called Haran. And the word Haran means to settle. And he stopped in the middle of his test and he didn't inherit the promise. And there's a lot of people that have stopped on day one at a certain mountain or stopped at day two at a certain mountain and we've settled in our Haran. But we need to understand is that if we're people of faith, that we realize that God is a God of timing and his timing is perfect. It may not be when you want it to be, but God has a plan and he has a time. And people who understand faith don't stop because it's taking time. People who expect don't stop because it's been longer than you thought it would be. You see, sometimes we we have to keep going. Sometimes the promise hasn't come yet because how many know good things never come easy? I like it, say it this way. How many know it takes time to be excellent? 
It takes time. In fact, we live in a culture right now that celebrates and glamorizes youth to the point where now we have 35-year-old men and women who are depressed and suicidal because they don't have what someone who's 60 has. I I heard the story about this pastor who was being uh, celebrated on his 60th birthday. And he went to the party celebrating his birthday and they had invited this well-known journalist who'd won many awards and he was up in his, I think, late 70s, early 80s. And he was sitting next to the pastor and he leaned over to the pastor and he said, hey, um, how you doing? And the pastor, looked, he was turning 60, said, I'm, I'm feeling old. And he looked at him and he said, you're feeling old, huh? He said, you know, all the greatest accomplishments in my life happened after I turned 65. So buddy, you're just getting started. What we don't realize is that God... His promises take some time. How many know that wine, when it ages, gets just a little better? How many know that with leftovers, pasta is always better the second day? Come on, somebody. I heard the story about this man. He, he went to, to see these little league players that were playing in a game. And he walked up to one of the dugouts, and he leaned in to one of the boys, and he said, How's it going? And the little boy looked up and said, 18 to nothing, we're losing. He looked at the boy, and he says, Man, you must be discouraged. And the little boy looked at him and said, discouraged? Why should I be discouraged? We haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> the point I'm making is the Bible says that your latter years, that the latter will be better than the former. You're just in the first inning. You're just at day one on your first mountain. But when you're following God's process and you're walking through the test, if you'll not give up in the middle of your test, you will come to a moment where you will stand at the place that God will provide. I'm telling you something, don't give up in the middle of your test. Come on, somebody say amen. Scripture says in Galatians, be not weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. Don't stop because it's taking time. Don't stop because you're on day one. I had someone come up to me after the first service today and they said, Pastor, man, that was right, right for me. What you, it's like you're reading my email. He said, you know, I had something happen to me several years ago. He said, when I turned 60, I lost $300,000. He said, I was so discouraged, but you know what? I just decided I'm just going to go for it. I'm not going to give up. And he said, I went for it. I took some steps of faith. I just I pressed in, and he said, in three years, I gained it all back and more. And he said, you know what? Today, Pastor, I'm 67 years old. And he said, when I retire, he said, when I retired, he said, I make more now than I ever made when I worked my whole life. He said, God was faithful. And I want to tell you today, just because it's taking time doesn't mean that God isn't in charge of the test. Just because it's taking time doesn't mean that your mountain isn't coming. Just because it's taking time doesn't mean that God's going to bring his promises. What does the Bible say? That he is not slack concerning his promises. When I read this passage, here's what it tells me. Listen, tests are going to come. Here's what it tells me. Sometimes i got to trust God even though I don't understand it all. Even though he's being quiet and he's not telling me everything I would like to know. And thirdly, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep walking in day one. I'm going to keep walking in day two. I'm going to keep walking when I'm 30. I'm going to keep 
keep walking when I'm 40. I'm going to keep walking when I turn 50. I'm going to keep walking when I'm 60 because one day I'm going to get to my mountain and one day God is going to fulfill his promise because faith doesn't demand an explanation. Faith rests in the promise. Somebody shout amen. Genesis 22, we'll bring this to a close. I, I got to tell you, I'm pumped up about this series, pumped up about this story. We're going to learn some powerful things about God's provision. We're going to learn some powerful truths about faith. You want to know the mindset of Abraham? Read this verse. They get to the mountain on day three. He hasn't given up. He didn't quit walking. He didn't do like his dad did. He kept walking. And the Bible says they get there. He looks at his servants. And he says, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then, what's the next word? And then we will come right back. You see, he passed the trust test. He passed the time test. He passed the father test. Because he didn't demand an explanation, he rested in the promise. In fact, did you know that, that the Bible says in Hebrews that Abraham believed God so much that even if he had to kill his son, he believed that God would raise him back to life. He believed that God would provide. I would tell you, sometimes we can try to figure it out. Sometimes we can get discouraged because we're 48 years old, and God, why haven't you done this much yet? You know, sometimes I look around and I see what God's done, and I get antsy, and I'm like, God, this isn't even close to the vision you put in my heart. There's so much more that you're going to do. God, this is just the start. This is just the beginning. God, I'm running out of time. I'll tell you something. With God, all things are possible. He can turn your 67 retirement day around and you can see more happen in the last years of life than you saw all 64 or 65 or 67 before. God is a God who can do the miraculous and he's looking for people who will dare to expect and dare to trust. Who will say, we will come back. We will see your provision. We will see the promise. We're not giving up. We're not quitting. But instead, as Proverbs chapter 3 says, we will trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways, we're going to submit to the test. And we know that you will make straight paths. People of faith don't deny reality. They trust in the middle of it. People who expect, they don't give up because they know the promise will be fulfilled. Somebody say amen. I want you to close your eyes.